Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America, and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on Easy Mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, unfortunately, to talk about another tough loss for the Green Bay Packers. This one, 34-20 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we'll get into some of the specifics in a minute. But big picture, two weeks ago, the Packers were 6-6. Six and six, And things were looking pretty good in terms of uh, the teams that you had beaten, what was on your schedule, and the opportunity you were going to have to keep yourself in the middle of this playoff race. And not that the Packers are out of it, but these last two games, two huge missed opportunities that now have the Packers very much on the outside looking in. Well, and it's just such a difficult thing, Mike, because when you go into Detroit with, and I understand the Lions, they weren't playing their best ball at that point, but you go into Detroit and you pose your will on the Lions the way you did and then you come home in a big Sunday night football matchup against Kansas City and you're six and six I think the enthusiasm and the optimism is there because of what a lot of pundits called the easiest slate of games to finish out a season Packers at that point their opposing team records were 20 and 40 a lot of that having to do with this upcoming opponent the the Carolina Panthers but things didn't go well this season for the Giants Tampa Bay much like Green Bay has been up and down and for the Packers to kind of give back both of those victories that they had against Detroit and Kansas City, disheartening. And then obviously to, to have the defensive performance that they had against the Bucks, not being able to get off the field, too much production on third downs, Baker Mayfield having a maximum passer rating, and the Green Bay Packers ultimately losing what became a shootout. It's tough, and it's tough to come shooting back down to earth after you felt like you were really starting to build towards something. Yeah, and that's what this uh, this most recent game will be remembered for, uh, the the defensive performance that uh, just allowed Baker Mayfield to, to do whatever he wanted to do. You mentioned it, 158.3 passer rating, 381 yards, four touchdowns. He came 16 yards shy of his career high for yardage in a game, which, uh, which is 397. And, you know... Matt LaFleur, he deferred the question on Sunday night. He then answered the question on Monday. He's not making any coaching changes at this point. Obviously, all those kinds of things are going to be evaluated to a greater extent in due time. But this Packers defense has got to figure something out, Wes, because 
No, the Packers are not out of it yet. You still have three games left to go. You want to start playing better football. But the bottom line is for the last two seasons, and there have been injuries, and yes, and every team deals with injuries, but throughout 2022 and 2023, I think the most maddening thing about this Packers defense is that it cannot get off the roller coaster. It plays good football, and then it swings the other way. And the distance of the swings between what this team's top performances are and then what this team's rock bottom performances are um we've seen it all we've seen it all and they can't they can't seem to smooth it out and uh and that just makes it really hard to know what you're going to get from that side of the ball every week when you take the field that's the bottom line right now and when you say we've seen it all we saw it all in the 60 minutes of that football game on sunday the green bay packers defense goes on the field after green bay turns over the ball at its own five yard line and Kingsley Inigbari gets a strip sack. It's right. the type of adversity response you want to see, taking advantage of that field position and allowing the Packers to score a touchdown right after that and take an early lead. Kenny Clark gets the six-yard sack, pushing and stopping the, the Tampa Bay drive and making them settle for a field goal. That's the way Green Bay has been playing when they've played well this season. But when they've played poorly, it was another manifestation of really those last three quarters of that game against Tampa Bay. Too much production in the middle of the field. A week after giving up the rushing yards to Tommy DeVito, some of the trickeration that the Giants played. In this one, it was Chris Godwin. It was Baker Mayfield kind of dicing things up a little bit. Green Bay got home five times. Uh, yeah. To, to have a season-high five sacks – and have such a drastic swing where if it's going to be kind of all or nothing, well, Mike, you only have five defensive plays that result in sacks. There's a lot more defensive plays that resulted in production. And for the Green Bay Packers, by the time it got into that third quarter and that fourth quarter, it just did not feel like they were going to be able to find a way to get the breaks on the thing. Yeah, when you look at the five sacks, you mentioned the first two had a huge impact on the game. The first sack forces the Buccaneers to kick a field goal and the second one becomes a turnover near the goal line that the Packers turn into a touchdown. The other three sacks had absolutely no effect on the Buccaneers' offense, quite frankly. I mean, the Packers had them in second and 29, and they still managed to get a field goal before half. They had them in a second, 18, second and 18 at one point. The Buccaneers didn't even need third down to move the chains. There was a third and 12. They throw a basic wide receiver screen. Um, which, quite frankly, in some ways look like they're going to get whatever yards they can and kick the field goal rather than take a big risk on third and 12, shooting it down the field. Well, the third and 12 wide receiver screen turns into 16 yards and a first down, and they get a touchdown. You mentioned the game kind of became a shootout because, yes, the Buccaneers, they scored touchdowns on with long drives. I believe it was 66, 75, and 75 yards on the on their first three drives of the second half. And while the Packers, they missed an opportunity going three and out to start the second half. And then early in the fourth quarter, they had to settle for a field goal. But, you know, you get a touchdown in the third quarter on a great throw and catch. Um, Jordan Love to Jaden Reed on a third and long to get within 2017. But then the next time your offense gets the ball, you're down 27-17. Then you drive, put together another nice drive, but you stall out, you kick a field goal. So you're within 27-20. There's still 10 minutes on the clock, plenty of ball game left. But then the next time your offense gets the ball back, it's 34-20, to and the game is, for all intents and purposes, over. You're in desperation mode at that point. 
um, it just became to the it got to the point where the Packers offense was under too much pressure to be perfect yep. because the Buccaneers offense was just unrelenting and the Packers defense was unable to do anything about it. Yeah, and and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think they kind of came as advertised, to be honest with you, Mike, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Jordan Love had a fine day. His statistics bared out well, 111 pass rating, whatever it was. A lot of times that's going to be good enough to win games. This yeah. game it was not. Mm-hmm. But defensively, Tampa Bay played up to their billing. They gave up some yards. They batten down the hatches in the red zone. They, they forced Green Bay into a, a, you know, a turnover late that kind of stymied everything, that kind of closed the door on any hopes of a comeback. And, and ultimately, they just did not blink when Green Bay did first. Offensively, and we'll talk about this in a second, but, I mean, there, there were positives. You're seeing guys like Tucker Craft and Dontavian Wicks. You got – you know, Aaron Jones back in this thing. There's a lot of positives to draw from offensively, but in a season in which it's been difficult for Green Bay to find the perfect complementary pieces to win these type of games, you know, the defense came up short and this was the end result. Yeah, and I think I think that's uh, you know, these these back to back losses are obviously very damaging to Green Bay's season, but um but very, very different losses. We were sitting here a week ago, I guess it would have been six days ago, coming off of the Monday night game against the Giants, talking about a, a three phase failure. The Packers failed um pretty miserably, quite frankly, in all three phases against the Giants. This one was primarily about one phase. Not saying the special teams were perfect, but there was kind of no harm done there. The offense certainly missed a couple of opportunities, but Tampa Bay's got a pretty good defense. You're not going to be able to cash in every single time. And to have 20 points on the board with 10 minutes left in the game against a good defense, you'll take your chances there. This one was, uh, this one was about the defense not really giving the Packers a chance to be able to win a really, really important home game in December. I do want to talk about... If I could just quickly yeah, mention, Yeah, absolutely. Too, the fact that Baker Mayfield threw four different touchdowns of to four different players. Right. The fact that it was 140 yards, I think, and two touchdowns on third downs. Uh, the fact that they did this against Green Bay at Lambeau Field in December, it points to the fact it wasn't one specific player. It wasn't falling on one guy's plate. It was the collective whole. From the coaching staff to the players, it wasn't where it needed to be. Twelve plays. find solutions for it. 12 plays by the Buccaneers, an even dozen of 18-plus yards, a dozen. That's three per quarter. Yeah. You like to maybe get through, you know, a game like three per half or, you know, even, uh, you know, three every few quarters. Three per quarter is essentially what the average was of plays of 18-plus yards in this game, and that's just not going to cut it. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. 
Let's go places. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I do want to talk about, though, what you hinted at before, which is what we are seeing happening with the Packers offense, particularly two players, Tucker Craft and Dontavian Wicks, rookie rookie draft picks who have seen their opportunities and their reps increase because of injuries. Luke Musgrave has been out for a little while now, and Christian Watson has missed the last couple of games. So both Kraft and Wicks are playing more snaps, getting the ball thrown their way a lot more often. And I tell you what, these, uh, these young players have produced, Wes, and when you talk about Kraft, Man, it's it's not just that he can, you know, get an explosive play down the field or that he can be a threat in the red zone. His blocking, you know, from a guy coming from South Dakota State where you're making a bigger leap than a lot of other players to the NFL in terms of the guy who's lined up across from you. Um, Tucker Craft is is becoming an all-around tight end in front of our eyes in a fairly short amount of time. And it's interesting too because he talked about Coming to the Green Bay Packers, one of the things that got him drafted in the third round was his yards after catch. It was some of the things he did in the big plays two years ago uh, that, that kind of give you that idea that a guy with this size and this type of skill set could really do some damage in the NFL. The area, as you mentioned, that was kind of unproven was the blocking aspect of yeah. it, how he was going to be able to hold up on that end against now football's absolute elite. Coincidentally enough, I actually feel like that was one area that sort of was come together earlier in the season for him and he's been able to to improve upon it throughout the year. Now we're starting to see some of the yards after catch stuff happen too. And he's a gritty, hard-nosed football player, man. I mean, you saw in that 36-yard catch and run, and he explained it afterwards. He wasn't just trying to showboat when he elevated, when he jumped to try to get over the defender. His mind was defensive backs, especially when they're going up against a guy that could be conceivably 60 pounds heavier than them, they have a tendency to go for the legs. In that particular case, they did not. They went right <laughs> to his torso, and unfortunately for him, right into the nether regions. Exactly. That caused him to go out a couple plays, but 36-yard pickup there. You also had that little tiny, it was basically like a tight end screen on the touchdown pass. Four catches, 57 yards, a touchdown. I tweeted it during the game, Mike. I cannot wait. I, I, you we'll see if it happens this year, but getting this version of Tucker Craft now on the field with Luke Musgrave, I mean, the possibilities, this is what the Packers wanted when they yeah. invested as much draft capital of the, as they've put into the tight end position since the 70 merger. Yeah. You're starting to see exactly why they took these two particular players and how they can kind of work off of one another. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about Dontavian Wicks, I tell you, I've mentioned before how we've seen him bounce back from his rough moments. He had the drop of the slant pass by the goal line against the Vikings. He, 
he lost the football on his own uh, trying to fight for the first down or, you know, try to get uh, get to the first down marker against the Rams where the ball popped out when it hit the ground. It ends up being a turnover. He's rebounded from that, but not only just making making catches and moving the chains and getting yards. This guy is fighting for every yep. yard there is to get. The one thing I didn't do when I went through the offensive film yesterday that I wish I would have done, I wish I would have just charted it and counted up what Wick's yards after the catch were in this game. He ended with with a career high to this point of 97 yards on his six receptions. But man, a bunch of those yards were were after the catch. And he's he's fighting for every yard he can get. He's protecting the ball while he's doing that. And I tell you what, that's you you see that kind of play from a young man, from a rookie out there for with a team that's fighting for a playoff spot and yeah. everything, I'll take that guy on my team any day. And here's the other aspect of this. You mentioned some of the things, you know, this season, times in which, you know, plays you can improve upon, you can learn from. I, I'm a big pound-for-pound pound guy. This is a rookie fifth-round receiver. You do not get this type of production that often from these type of players because he's not just catching passes. Mike, that last touchdown scoring drive that Green Bay put together, that was Dontavian Wicks. Yeah. I even tweeted it during the game. He willed them down the field on that drive. It wasn't the most in rhythm, in sync drive you've ever seen. No, it was Dontavian Wicks making incredible football plays. 97 receiving yards. Yeah, however much of that was built onto the yak, but the Green Bay Packers found something here, man. They found something in 2018 with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Fifth round has been very productive for them as a whole when you think about you know an all pro like Corey Lindsley in 2014 Dontavian Wicks man in a year in which the Packers expected to build so much around Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed and also Samori Toure being in that conversation here's Wicks jumping right into the fold becoming that next man up and when he's been given the opportunities here's what he's doing with them yeah and a couple other things I want to say about the offense because uh because something something getting a little bit lost because of all the attention on the defense and and everything that went wrong there and I and I understand all that but a couple of things Jordan Love for one um bounced back from one of his one of his rougher games probably his roughest game of the second half of the season after you know he kind of hit his stride and everything and then a lot went wrong against the Giants it wasn't a good performance he bounced back and quite frankly Wes I think um, maybe maybe you have another one in mind. I think that third and fourteen from the seventeen yard line, the improvised the the, the breakdown play, uh, sorry broken down play, and then uh, he hits Jaden Reed for the touchdown with the uh, with the toe tap, the toe drag. I thought that was the most impressive throw Jordan Love's made all season long, and it kind of it's kind of gotten lost because the Packers didn't win the game, and with everything that uh, that was going wrong on the defensive side of the ball, that was an absolutely tremendous. Third and 14 from the 17-yard line, and the play breaks down, and he beats you. We've seen it happen at Lambeau Field with the you know previous quarterbacks that have, uh, that have played in the green and gold. That was a heck of a moment, and I just don't want it to get too lost in what was a very disappointing defeat. I have a take on this. I have a, oh, some opinions on this to expository or explain. Uh, expound. Expound, thank you. Sure. But before I do that, I have a question for you. Yeah. How many 25-year-old quarterbacks in their first, either 25 years old or as a first year as a starter, how many of the quarterbacks throw that pass to Jaden Reed and how many pull it down and try to scramble for a first down? 
the majority are going to pull it down to try to scramble. And see here, and and here's the thing. And I, we saw earlier in the season in that same situation, it was it was a third and long yardage, and Love did take off to scramble, but there were way too many yards to have to gain for the first down. He's got no chance. And it's a and short as, field. And as soon and as soon as he crosses the line of scrimmage, he's a dead duck. He's not going to be able to get the first down. We saw against the Giants a, a very similar play that had broken down he steps up in the pocket he escapes and he missed the throw to Samari Toure along the boundary in the end zone that could have been a very much a game-changing play against the Giants he comes back the very next week and uh and and makes that play I thought it was uh really really impressive so here's my take on the throw the other thing you'll see from a lot of young quarterbacks in this league is what I always refer to as is Madden scramble drills yeah because it's what I always used to do during Madden which is you just try to evade the pocket as quickly as possible, and it's usually not taking a direct line. You're not pursuing the right exit angle. It's just kind of running around the defensive end and getting over into the open field on the right side and trying to find somebody. What impressed me about Jordan Love on that play was he saw through the smoke. There's a lot going on around him. His exit hole was probably, what, the, the size of a, of a guard? Yeah. And he kind of got his way through there. The reason why I mentioned the piece about how many – quarterbacks tuck it and go there is because they wouldn't be able to keep their eyes downfield yeah. when they're trying to get through that clutter yep. Jordan did that stayed true to his fundamentals and his footwork and then put an absolute dime on Jaden Reed and Jaden Reed Mike for a guy that is now one catch away from tying Sterling Sharp's single season receptions record by a rookie it's as ex- extraordinary as of a catch as you're going to see from a rookie football player. His ability to get both feet down there and, dr- and drag them, there was not an inch to waste on that play. Yeah. And he made the play regardless. Yeah, and, I, and I'll be honest. I mean, I said it in the live blog at the time. When, when, I saw, when I saw it live, I thought there is no way Reed got his feet in. There's no way that that's a reception. Yep. Like, re- replay is going to reverse it. And sure enough, he, he kept his toes on the ground, you know, dragged it just right with a, with a defender right on him there. And, um, and yeah, I wanted to mention that as well. Jaden Reed now with 54 receptions, he leads the Packers, the Packers rookie record in, in uh, this franchise's illustrious history for receptions by a rookie is 55 by Sterling Sharp. That was 35 years ago, Wes, 1988. That rookie record has stood for a long time. And Jaden Reed is just one catch from tying it and two from breaking it. I don't have the officials yards after catch for Dontavian Wicks. Uh, It's 2023. I'm not paying for that anymore. (laughs) Uh, But for the season now, this one goes, I'll give credit here to, uh, this is player profile. Um, dot com. They have him down for 139 yards after catch on the season out of his 491. So just about a quarter of his receiving yards. Yeah, little, or a little third, more, a little more than a quarter. Closer to a third. Yeah. A so pretty impressive what the guy's done right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes, and then we'll move on to other topics. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news. That true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone. Like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, taking a look at where things are in the playoff picture. Um, lots of lots of moving and shifting going on. Uh, you know, the Minnesota Vikings 
blow a fourth quarter lead in Cincinnati on Saturday. They dropped to seven and seven. The Seattle Seahawks pull one out on Monday night, driving 92 yards um, against the Philadelphia Eagles for the go-ahead touchdown in the final two minutes. And the Seahawks break their losing streak and get to 7-7. Seven and seven. In the NFC South, you have the Buccaneers and the Saints, both at 7-7. Seven and seven. They are going to face each other in Week 17, not this week, but the week after. So that division title, in some respects, could be on the line. And at the top of the NFC, we talked last week about how suddenly there was a three-way tie for the number one seed. Well, the Dallas Cowboys lose, the Philadelphia Eagles lose, the San Francisco 49ers keep on winning, and the Niners, who already have a head-to-head tiebreaker over both of those clubs, now have a one-game lead with just three to play in the race for the number one seed and the only playoff buy that comes with it in the NFC. Yeah, 49ers did what they needed to do against the Cardinals. Cardinals put up some points in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, that game was out of hand pretty early on. The The one that impressed me the most is the Rams, because here's the thing. You and I talked about it. They got to 7-7 seven and seven as well. They meant got to 7-7. Seven I seven. meant to mention them as well. And, and the only reason I bring them up is we've talked so much about the Packers, just beating the teams you need to beat. The Rams have worked themselves back into this conversation for the playoffs by beating the teams they need to beat. Exactly. Under no pretenses should you lose that game to Washington with the, all the issues Washington's had, you know, kind of breaking up their defensive line, Jack Del Rio being fired. They, the Rams are a different team with Kieran Williams back in this lineup. I, I think the, I saw one thing about the, the yards over expectation. I mean, Williams is just he's, – he's in front of Christian McCaffrey with what he's done so far this season. Different football team when he's out there. I tipped my cap to Drew Locke, obviously finished that game strong. It seemed like he didn't even know for sure he was going to be playing until hours before the game. Yeah, that was that was almost that was that was a not just a last minute decision, but even after the inactives were turned in, both Geno Smith and Drew Locke were active and then it yeah. was sort of like they were all going through pregame warmups and then they decided to to give the ball to Locke. Yeah, and, and Locke had come in before this season but otherwise really hasn't played much uh before last week I, I would be happy and content now if the denver broncos would dismiss themselves from this playoff uh contention <laughs> just didn't even bother showing up against the the lions which is fine um but one of the you know it looked a lot more like the first month of the season denver broncos than what the packers had seen and what a lot of these other teams had seen in the second half of the season uh it's gonna be down to the wire man but but you're seeing what the value of that victory is and you know tampa now actually has you know in a position where they're kind of in control of their own destiny now by picking up that seventh win and seeing what they can do against the new orleans saints here in a couple weeks and teams like minnesota and the rams and the seahawks trying to hold those positions now that they got back to 500 Green Bay has work to do, but as I said in our Insider Inbox call today, it almost kind of feels like they play better in these instances when they are playing from behind, when they are the B-side, kind of have that Connor McGregor yeah. quality to them and seeing if maybe now they can reel three off here to keep this thing interesting. Yeah, and the Atlanta Falcons took a damaging loss to the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons have now fallen uh, off the pace in the NFC South, and uh, and that Panthers team is the one the Packers will be facing this week uh, and we'll talk about them on our next show but I want to make a couple quick comments about the AFC because um, it kind of looks like right now the if the the NFC or sorry the AFC is is uh, as you know crowded and convoluted as the NFC but just with uh, with a lot of the middling teams having a little bit better records yeah Um, 
But when I look at the AFC right now, Wes, the, the three teams that stand out to me that I wouldn't want to have to mess with in January are Baltimore, Miami, and Buffalo. And Indianapolis. You're putting Indianapolis in that category? Okay. Okay. You just, yeah, you love, you're, you're a big gardener. <laughs> Hey, but, do you want to face him but right here's, now? Yeah, but here's here's the here's the really interesting thing because the the Buffalo Bills have gotten themselves back in this thing now with big wins over the Chiefs and a, a big road win over the Chiefs and then a convincing home win over the Dallas Cowboys. Buffalo's now eight and six. Miami has been riding a, the top, riding atop that AFC East all season long, and they are still there at ten and four, two games ahead of the Bills. This is what's interesting, though, Wes. Miami's next two games are against Dallas and Baltimore. Buffalo's next two games are against the Chargers and somebody else who's also sub-500, and the name escapes me right now. Hold on. I got you, bruv. Okay. It is the uh, Patriots. The Patriots. So they have the Chargers and the Patriots. Not Nothing is a given in this league. What I'm saying is it's an entirely plausible scenario that Miami could lose its next two, Buffalo could win its next two, both of those teams would be 10-6 and six and facing each other for the AFC East title head-to-head in, in Miami in Week 18. I just think that's one to watch because so many people had written off the Buffalo Bills with their struggles and everything, and uh, they lost that absolute heartbreaker to the Philadelphia Eagles when Jake Elliott made a 59-yard field goal in the rain to get that game to overtime where they would have won that one. They bounced back from that to to beat the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Nobody wants to mess with the Buffalo Bills right now. They don't, and I agree with you, but I will use my final two minutes here to just quickly talk on the Baltimore Ravens because Lamar Jackson is not the most boisterous quarterback in the league. I feel like that sometimes is to his detriment. The Ravens are playing as good a football as anybody right now, and I am impressed. I, I agree with you 100%. Their defense, they're just so consistent, Mike. And you know, They look so complete right complete. now is, is, the, is now, the, way they now, look unfortunately, a, the way they look as a football team. They're lost Mitchell. So, I mean, their yeah. running back situation, they've just been completely snake-bitten at running back over the last few years. But Lamar Jackson, the way he's performing right now, he's steady as they goes. He's not a big quote, and I think that, again – People don't really give him the national attention he deserves because of it. And But when you talk about teams you don't want to face in the playoffs, I think it starts with a team like the Ravens because for the most part, you know what you're getting, and they're going to give you that when you play them. There's going to be dangerous teams here, Mike. The Bills, definitely one of them. You look at these squads that, that could find their way into the postseason and possibly make a run at this thing, there's a lot of names to keep track of right yeah. now. But – what wins in the playoffs is consistency. And I feel like that's the one aspect of the Ravens. As long as Lamar Jackson stays healthy, that is the one thing that they have over everybody else in that conference right now, consistency. Yeah, and, they've, uh, and they seem to have made a decent adjustment losing a big play tight end in yeah. Mark Andrews, who has been such a big part of their offense. And well, yet, likely, Lamar, my God. And, and yeah, Lamar, Lamar Jackson is making it work, and Isaiah likely has, uh, has definitely filled the shoes of Mark Andrews about as well as they could have hoped as, for. When you lose a superstar, you just don't see that type of stuff. Yeah. It's one thing for right. Luke Musgrave to go down and you got to transition to Tucker Craft. They're both rookies. They're both going through this thing together. There are a lot of teams. I, I, where would the Kansas City Chiefs be if Travis Kelsey goes down? Right. You know, 
Well, we saw it in week one. Yeah, exactly. They, they, were, they were playing at home as the defending Super Bowl champs and, and played an absolutely terrible football game. Absolutely. So with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. We'll be back in a couple of days to talk about the next opponent, the Carolina Panthers, on the road for Christmas Eve. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.